welcome to I Got Sucked Off by Historical King Arthur, a sincere and critical analysis of fate, the series where you fuck the mythological King Arthur for magic. Um, hey everyone, we got to the scene where you fuck the mythological King Arthur for magic. It's true, who are you? I'm Sierra, my pronouns are she, her. Uh, I'm Dustin, my pronouns are he, they. Uh, hey y'all, so, this episode we are gonna start with a content warning, um, this episode, we are talking about just a literal pornographic sex scene, uh, and we're not going to, like, like, we, we will be discussing it in terms of it being porn, um, so if you don't want to listen to that, I'll just give you a quick overview of these three days. You can skip this episode and come to the next one and still understand what is going on in fate um so day 10 or or just skip day 11 i I may just put in a timestamp during editing saying hey here's where you can skip to to just get right to day 12 Uh, listen uh, that's gonna be like half the podcast i'm gonna be real with y'all right now (laughs) i have a lot to say about this sex scene you're gonna miss the meat of this episode if you're skipping day 11 um, day 10, it, Shiro encounters, uh, Shinji, it goes out to find him, uh, they fight with Ryder, Ryder reveals her noble phantasm, uh, and they defeat her by Sha- Saber revealing her own noble phantasm, Excalibur, uh, revealing herself to be King Arthur, and defeating Shinji, uh, whose book turns out to be his command seal, which is weird, um, and uh, he runs away. Uh, day 11, Shiro uh, has a vision of Saber's past, uh, gets captured by uh, Ilya, who kidnaps him, brings him to her castle. Um, Saber, Rin, and Archer come to his rescue, and it turns out to have been a trap set by Ilya, uh, who they then have uh, Archer stall her and uh, Berserker. Uh, Archer kills Berserker six times on his own, which is fucking tight, (laughs) while they run away. Um, And Saber is rapidly in a deteriorating condition because her magic is so low that she can't survive much longer. Uh, So the only solution is for uh, Shiro to have sex with her to pass along magic. Um, And they do. Uh, And it's a whole thing. Yeah, we'll Uh, get into it. Uh, then, um, uh, oh, go ahead. Yeah, so they, uh, soon after, um, the three of them fight Ilya and Berserker, um, just barely managing to beat Berserker by the skin of their teeth, thanks to, uh, Shiro figuring out how to use projection magic to, uh, uh, recreate, um, King Arthur's lost sword, Excalibur. Um, they uh, eventually. Oh, uh, the sword he replicates is not Excalibur. It's Caliburn. Sorry, Caliburn. I I got the two. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I got the two names fused together in my mind. Uh, mm-hmm. So they go back home, taking Ilya with them. Um, then on day 12, they discuss what to do with Ilya, um, basically decide to keep her at uh, Shiro's house for safekeeping. Um, and uh, a whole lot of just sort of downtime happens where uh, 
Rin reveals that, like, she doesn't really have anything else to teach Shiro because mm-hmm. uh, he she doesn't know anything about projection magic. And honestly, she's not sure how he even managed to do what he did in the first place because it should have killed him. And also, um, projection magic is fucking stupid. Why does anybody do it? It's bad. Yeah, uh, Saber is suddenly acting weird during training, um, not not really willing to, uh, seemingly unwilling to uh, get into physical contact with him like she used to do, and, like, go hard on him. Uh, and then later, there's a scene where they, uh, Shiro walks in on Saber taking a bath, uh, and then kind of the day ends. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Uh, so yeah that's a brief summary of what happens obviously we'll do our more detailed one but if you just want to skip this episode uh, that's the brief summary yeah Um, Uh, yeah. if you want to skip this episode we'll see you next time Um, but you're (laughs) going to miss me getting rip shit mad about a porn scene because it fails as both porn and a scene yeah, also I have bad news for y'all. I'm pretty there's gonna be a sex scene in the next set of days as well. Fuck, sure. is there really? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, there's Fuck. a hentai flag I noticed in day fourteen, so there's gonna be one there too. <sighs> I think this is the only route that has two. Weird. Um unless no, no, uh Heaven's Feel also has two. That makes sense. Heaven's yeah. Feel is, like, twice the length of the others, so, uh, yeah, it's, sure. It's fucking long, yeah. Uh, Alright, anyway, uh, so before we begin, I do want to go over uh, some voice actors. Uh, so first of all, uh, let's talk about Ryder, uh, since we're not going to be uh, seeing her again during the Fate route. Uh, Ryder is voiced by Yu Asakawa. Uh, of the three I'm covering today, uh, Ryder has the by far the most credits. The other two, uh, for Ilya and Berserker, don't have as many as I would figure, especially for Ilya. Uh, most importantly, uh, Yu Asakawa also voices Megarin Luka, uh, my favorite of the Project Diva Girls. Uh, she mm-hmm. also voices USS Ranger from Azure Lane. Uh... She voices Anthuria and Predator from Grand Blue Fantasy. Oh, I know those ones. Uh, two characters who rule. Um, uh, important to me, uh, she voices Sugumi Komachi from Ever Seventeen: The Out of Infinity, which is the first visual novel I ever played. Is uh, Ever Seventeen the one where they're like the under? They're all trapped in an underground, yes, or underwater, thing? undersea. Yeah, that visual novel's. Fuck fucking wild. Yeah, I, I, this is a very far future thing, but I think when once we run out of uh, Nasuverse content while we're waiting for other stuff to finish, I kind of want to talk about Ever Seventeen because that visual novel is kind of important to me. And well, also, I, I, mean, we should do I the whole want to know how it holds up. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we got to do Never Seven, and we've got to do Remember Eleven. <laughs> oh God, yeah, I never did play the others in that series. Um, well, it's the she, second one. Never Seven comes first. <laughs> well, yeah, I never played that. I don't think they're even really connected in terms of. I would believe that chronology. I think they're just like, and and an anthology series almost. Um, 
Yeah, she also voices Sakaki from Azumanga Daio. Uh, and we will be seeing her again uh, in Fate Grand Order uh, as uh, Fuck, Archer I forgot we need Uriel, to play that again. Uh, Assassin Stheno, and also Gorgon, the giant snake lady. Uh, so we'll mm-hmm. be seeing her again. Uh, next we have uh, Ilya, who is played by Mai Kadawaki. Uh, she doesn't have a whole. She actually doesn't have a whole lot of voice roles, especially not ones I recognize. Uh, but she does voice Emil from Near, which is perhaps most important. Oh, my uh, son, my perfect yes. son, who's done nothing wrong and who I would <laughs> die for. Yeah, he's perfect. Uh, she he also is. voices Mahira from Grand Blue Fantasy. Oh, I know that character. Yeah. Uh, I hopefully I will get her during the Zodiac, so I don't have to spark her. <laughs> I believe in you. Please, <laughs> give me this. Um, <laughs> next we have Berserker, uh, played by Tadahisa Saizen. Uh, again, not a whole lot of roles. He seems to just play villains or one-off characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he does play Bowl in Fire Emblem Radiant Dawn. Um, Toranosuke uh, Tora Sengoku in Yakuza 2. Uh, and we will see him again in Fate Grand Order as uh, Ryder St. George and Ryder Edward Teach, unfortunately. Um, Edward, God, Edward Teach sucks. <laughs> I'm gonna, just going to say that right now, but we'll get into why when we eventually get into Fate Grand Order. Uh, so those are all the voice actors I have for today. Uh, so let's begin with Day 10. Uh, so, while he rests, uh, Shiro has a nightmare about the blood fort. Though no one was killed, he worries that some students may suffer long-term, long-term disabilities or physical scarring from having their life force drained and their flesh melted. However, another part of his subconscious tells him he still did well. He was able to stop the disaster and should get some rest to recover. At the same time, though, he can't help but be upset that he couldn't save everybody. Instead of agonizing over an event that already occurred, he resolves to prevent something like it from ever happening again. Uh, he, Shiro wakes up at his, at his usual time of 6am and is surprised to find Saber up and about as well. He asks her if it's okay for her to be up this early. Uh, she says it isn't logical for her to sleep in in this situation. He asks her why that makes sense since they aren't fighting anyone right now. This appears to fluster Saber, and she implies he misunderstood her, misunderstood her, but doesn't clarify what she meant, uh, because again, Shiro is not good at understanding subtext. This boy is the stupidest motherfucker alive. <laughs> it's really incredible. Uh, There's multiple meant- times during these three days where someone's like, holy shit, do you really not, you dumb motherfucker, and walks away without explaining things to him, and he's just like, what? I don't get it! And it's like, you (laughs) stupid bitch, I'm going to beat your ass and fuck your Why are you so concerned about me, Shiro, please? Uh, He mentions he'll go prepare breakfast now, but she tells him he should rest. Rin will prepare breakfast while he continues to recover. While Shiro understands her concern, he argues that their priority should be to stop Shinji from making another boundary field as soon as possible. Rin is is more amenable to the idea of going after Shinji immediately, but she wants to know if Shiro actually has a plan for how to defeat him. 
He does not. (laughs) Yeah, no, Shiro does not. Uh, Just, again, the stupidest motherfucker alive! Yeah, Shiro's plan just extends to, well, we gotta deal with Shinji. His plan is, we're gonna do it. How? Oh, (laughs) we're gonna do it. Like, okay, man, I'm down for doing it. Give me some explanation. What's your plan? Work with here? No, absolutely not. I refuse. (laughs) God, what a stupid bitch. They do have an advantage, though, since Shinji can't support Ryder. It comes down to a one v one between between servants, and Saber is clearly more powerful. However, Shiro worries that Ryder's noble phantasm is particularly dangerous, enough to pose a threat to Saber. Rin asks if they were able to figure out Ryder's identity, since both Saber and Shiro saw her noble, noble phantasm. However, Shiro was too, Saber was too distracted protecting Shiro to figure out exactly what the noble phantasm was, but she does know it was a magic attack. Rin is shocked she'd even feel the need to avoid it then, since Saber's magic resistance makes her immune to all present-day magic. It means the only class of magic that could hurt her is sorcery level. Uh, Shiro asks if that means so, Gay Bulg was all. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, so they specify that it's either sorcery or a divine mystery. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and there is an important distinction between the two in that, like, sorcery is like an extension of magic or magic that is uh, has reached the level of a divine mystery, whereas a divine mystery is like li- literally a divine is something divine, something magical beyond yeah. like human ken. Like a miracle, basically, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, Shira asks if that means Gay Bulg was also sorcery. Uh, Rin explains it doesn't quite work like that. Since servants are themselves divine mysteries, they can only be physically hurt by other servants. This means Saber's armor isn't that strong against other servants, but, uh, but her combat skill is good enough that it's very difficult to hurt her with a melee weapon. Magic is also nearly useless due to her high resistance. However, this doesn't mean that she's invincible. Berserker has more raw physical strength, and both Gay Bulg and Ryder's Noble Phantasm can get through her natural defenses. Even Rin and Shiro could, theoretically, kill Saber if they cut her neck with her own sword while she slept, since Servant's weapons are also in spirit forms. Uh, it, it does. It is worth mentioning, I think, that while Rin is explaining this, Saber begins looking more and more upset. <laughs> Yeah, she's not thrilled hearing her friend talk by, about murder. By the her. theoretical, Weird. by the hypothetical that Rin is establishing. Weird Rin's that she's not like, thrilled. well, yeah, Rin's like, well, we, I suppose we could kill her if we cut, slit her throat in her sleep with her sword. Meanwhile, in the background, Saber is looking very upset by this, just frowning more and more as the scene goes on. Yeah, it's great, actually. And uh, yeah, it does rule. <laughs> Uh, Saber speculates that Ryder's Noble Phantasm is a, quote, automatic weapon uh, that does not rely on Ryder's own skill or magical energy. She doesn't believe any servant could take a direct hit and live. As Rin goes over that information, Saber seems to try and ask her who she believes is stronger, but doesn't finish her thought. Um, Saber seems to have a complex about this. Yeah. It's like, like, am I, Rin, am I S tier? Am I, am I still last year? Uh, Shiro asks if something is worrying her, but she just replies, I believe it is inappropriate for a knight to inquire who is the strongest. Uh, after much thought, Rin determines that Ryder most likely has an anti-army noble phantasm, which means that Saber, who has an anti-personnel noble phantasm, needs to defeat Ryder before she can activate it. 
With their strategy meeting at its conclusion, Ryder tells them there's something she needs to do. Sorry, Rin tells them there's something she needs to do while they look for Shinji. Their cooperation agreement was only for fighting against Berserker, after all. Uh, as they walk through town, Saber asks if Shiro has any ideas about where Shinji might be. He reasons that Shinji is the type of person to try and take revenge when he's beaten, so he'll likely try to construct another boundary field. They'll need to search for places with large buildings where lots of people gather. During their search, something suddenly gets Saber's attention, and she pulls Shiro toward the park. She noticed before, uh... She noticed before he did that his still-injured body is starting to give out on him. Shira asks why she's acting so upset, but she refuses to answer, saying it's useless to try and tell him if he doesn't understand. <laughs> you know, fair. Again, this dumb boy! He's so stupid! <laughs> what, why this are you upset that I'm literally running myself This fucking lesbian. Ragged? Yeah. Uh... Uh, she sits down on the park bench next to him to keep him company and looks around to see if there's somewhere he could lie down. They both spot a guy in the park using his lover's thighs as a pillow. She starts to suggest that Shin Shiro should lie down as well, but he interrupts her and says he just needs to stay still for a bit. Because uh, he's still not comfortable with his Stupid boy. Contact. Stupid, stupid boy. Uh, he ends up falling asleep and dreaming of the fire again. This time, though, he remembers a bad burn across his chest and an open chest wound. Even his sleeping mind thinks this is strange. Uh, sorry, even his, even his sleeping mind thinks this is strange, though. He shouldn't have that memory. When he wakes up again, he opens... Uh, he feels his chest and checks his body for a scar. It isn't there. Uh, Shiro recalls he almost died because of oxygen... oxygen Oxygen deprivation, not a fatal wound that even Kuritsugu wouldn't have been able to save him from. Uh, so it's very strange that he even had that dream in the first place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because that is a new detail. We've seen this scene a bunch of times, and that is a new detail. Mm -hmm. um, now awake, he realizes it's suddenly nighttime. Saber did not wake him because she wanted to see him recovery. recover. Uh, Shiro remarks that he wished he could have rested somewhere else that didn't have so many bad memories associated with it. He then explains his backstory to Saber. She asks him if he's so determined to save people because he himself was a victim of the Grail War. He says it's simpler than that. He was just happy that Kuritsugu saved him, but also guilty that he was the only one who had the privilege of being saved. Saber suddenly realizes something that he had been hinting at, but never outright stated yet. Shiro has no intention of saving himself. She tells him that he will regret it one day if he keeps putting others ahead of himself and that he should value himself more. He doesn't yeah, want to believe... Uh, I just have one more thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, he, he doesn't want to believe she's right, but he can't find the words to argue against her conclusion. Yeah, and I think this is, like, a, a, an important thing that we've gestured at, but this is, like, the first time it's kind of been made really explicit. Um, yeah. Is that, like... Shiro's ideology doesn't just come from um, replicating Kiritsugu and idealizing him. Um, it also comes from, like, a deep sense of guilt that he is the one person who survived uh, the fire and is why he continually views, like, the act of saving people as solely a zero-sum game. Um, like, it, it, every, every instance of saving someone rather than being, like, a... I have saved as many people as I can is to him at this point, a zero sum game of, uh, uh, of 
survival, basically. Um, yeah, which he, 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 he is doesn't. Fucked. Yeah, he doesn't see his own survival as something to be celebrated. He sees it as like a compromise that was made, mm-hmm. uh, which is a um, deeply fucked up way to view that sort of situation. Yeah. And he also like conceptualized saving folks as like a uh, an all or nothing or like a uh, um, any indiv- there is a limit to how much you are able to save any uh, any number of people. And so, like, he hates that zero-sum game, and it's like, that's not that's not how things work, homie. It's, yeah. It, it, go to therapy. <laughs> please, please get a therapist who is better than Rin and Saber, because, like, they're, they're good characters, but they're, they can't Saber is the shit. worst person to have as your therapist, because she's got the same problem, dog. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, they continue their search and suddenly feel a wave of magical energy. Ryder is trying to provoke them. Saber decides to follow the trail and advises Shiro to be more careful. Uh, suddenly, Ryder attacks while, while clinging to the fifth floor of a skyscraper. Uh, Saber immediately jumps after her. If you follow Saber up the building, Shiro will see them running up the side of the skyscraper. Uh, Saber can tell... Actually, I think I got this wrong. I think this is just, like, an interlude while this happening while Shiro is going up the stairs. It is, yes. It is just an interlude. Um, uh, Saber can tell that Ryder is deliberately leading her up to the rooftop, but she has no choice but to keep following, otherwise she'll just, like, fall down to the ground. (laughs) Uh, when Shiro reaches the roof, he sees Saber standing in the middle of the concrete ground, which is burned up in spots. Saber is on her knees, and Shiro hears the sound of wings flapping above them. He sees Ryder mounted on a Pegasus. Uh, Ryder has been making a hit-and-run dive bomb attacks against Saber that she's unable to defend against. Saber expected Ryder to bring out a, quote, fantastic race, uh, which is the very weird name that they give to, like, mythological beasts. Um, Yeah. But she did not expect her to summon something from the time of the gods. This confirms to Saber that Ryder is an evil spirit, not a heroic one. Uh, However, Saber believes she'll be able to counterattack as long as she can goad Ryder into using her noble phantasm. Uh, She just needs Shiro to not come up to the roof, which he just did. Uh, there is one benefit, though. Uh, Shiro's appearance causes Shinji to start bragging about how much he's kicking Shiro's ass right now, uh, which reveals his, uh, which basically reveals his location. Mm-hmm. Um, Shinji is staying hidden, but Shiro knows he'll be able to find him if he just lets him talk for a while. Uh, as this is happening, Ryder prepares to activate her noble phantasm. Uh, Saber knows the only way to prevent Shiro's death is to kill Ryder before she can use it. Uh, as the Pegasus swoops up, swoops up into the sky and becomes an arrow of light, Ryder shouts the name uh, Bellerophon, uh, the name of her noble phantasm. Uh, in response, Saber releases her wind, revealing the shape of her sword. Her sword blade becomes engulfed in pure light, and she swings it at Ryder, shouting Excalibur. Excalibur releases a blade of light that slices Ryder with one blow. In the aftermath, Shiro questions why Saber has Excalibur, slowly realizing the answer is simple. Uh, Shinji flees, but without a servant or his command spells anymore, because his book just burned up. 
Uh, Shiro decides the fight is over and runs to Saber, uh, who is collapsed on the ground. Um, you can chase after Shinji. I don't really know what happens um, because you get a point with Saber if you. Yeah. Uh-huh. And Saber uh, and Saber points are the important things for this particular route. Yeah. So one thing I do want to mention uh, is uh, Bellerophon being um, Rider's noble phantasm is weird. Um, so Bellerophon is specifically a person from Greek mythology. He's the one who rode, uh, uh, who rode Pegasus, uh, with the help of Athena's bridle. Um, he is, uh, uh, the one who slayed the Chimera. Um, I'm trying to remember what else he did. Uh, he's like, uh, uh before Heracles, uh, he's like on the tier w- uh, of Perseus, basically. Um, like, he is a, a big dude, uh, and she's clearly not Bellerophon, um, so it's weird that her noble phantasm is called Bellerophon. Yeah, um, it almost seems like the, it was supposed to be the name of the Pegasus, but that's clearly, like, that's not what that name means in Greek mythology. Like, Ryder's yeah. noble phantasm is maybe the one that makes the least sense. Uh, it sure, especially when you find out Ryder's identity. Yeah, yeah, Ryder's, I don't know what the fuck Nasu was thinking. When Ryder's just he... sort of, we're throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks, and what stuck was spaghetti, it turns out, yeah, and doesn't mean a lot. Yeah, especially since, like, she has a very obvious thing that could be a noble phantasm. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, once you, once you piece together who she is. Uh-huh. But yeah, I, I, I don't know what the hell is going on with what Ryder can do in this game. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's very confusing. Um, but yeah. Uh, anyway, um, uh, Shiro decides the fight is over and runs over to Saber, who is collapsed on the ground. He brings her back home and explains what happened to Rin, but doesn't reveal Excalibur, um, because he doesn't necessarily want to give Rin that information yet. Uh, Rin tells him that Saber will soon disappear. Her magic energy is almost gone. Normally, masters would just transmit their own magical energy, but Shiro can't do that. The only way to replenish energy is to have the servant collect it, something neither Shiro nor Saber would ever do of their own free will, uh, since that requires killing people. Uh, Even still, Rin advises Shiro that if he doesn't want to lose Saber and be targeted by other masters, he will need to use a command spell to force Saber to kill people. Uh, We begin Day 11. Um... I think I'll uh, I think I'll wait to save the timestamp until we actually get to the sex scene. Yeah, so I'll yeah, that's that. fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so instead of Shiro's normal dreams, this time he dreams of Saber back when she was a human named Arturia. She was born into a period of time called the Dark Ages as the heir to the throne of England. The current king believed in Magus's prophecy that his successor would be born, uh, but Arturia was born a girl. Uh, sorry, Arturia was born a girl. Uh, a girl could not be his successor. Instead, the king gave her away to his vassals, where she was raised as a child of a knight. The Magus, however, was delighted. He cared not for the gender of the future king, and believed that her being separated from the castle until the day of the prophecy was further proof that she would be king. Uh, Arturia naturally took to the sword, hoping to one day become king and save her country. On the day of the prophecy, there was no tournament to be had. Instead, there was a simple sword stuck in a stone, bearing the 
bearing the inscription, Whosoever whosoever pulleth out this sword of this stone uh, is right wise king born of England. However, no one could pull out the sword, and the gathered knights eventually settled on a jousting tournament instead. Arturia was only an, only an apprentice, so she could not participate. Instead, mm-hmm. she went up to the sword and reached out for it. Suddenly, she heard the most feared magus in the country behind her, warning her, No, no, you should think things through before you take that. He told her she'd no longer be human once she took hold of the sword. She already knew that, though, that uh, a king was, quote, someone who kills everyone to protect everyone, end quote. It was something she had both feared and been prepared for since she was born. She pulled out the sword. Um, I'm going to quote directly from the game now, uh, Mm -hmm. because I think it says it better than I could summarize. In that instant, she became something not human. The king's gender does not matter. No one will care about the king's appearance or even notice it, notice it if the king acts like a king. Even if a- anybody knows that the king was female, there would be no problem if she was a good king. Perhaps because of this sword's magic, the girl's growth stopped at that time as well. Many knights feared it as ominous, but most of them praised their master's immortality as divine. And thus the time of the king who would become the legend who would become legend started. End quote. For ten years and twelve battles, Arturia, the god of war, knew only victory. She fulfilled her obligations as king. In Shiro's dream, he sees her resting on the battlefield, gazing at a great army she must defeat, sword in hand. But he notices something strange. The sword in his dream is different from the sword she used against Ryder. Uh, so yeah. Uh, yeah, to, to be clear, uh, the sword she pulls from the stone is Caliburn. It is not Excalibur. Yeah. Um... Basically just, the, we get Fate's retelling of the Arthurian legend. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shiro wakes up wondering how he could have a dream about events he shouldn't know about. He thinks about how both swords... He thinks about how both of both, both swords, meaning Caliburn and Excalibur, seem to suit her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and here I directly quote from Shiro because it's very funny. No, you could say I was fascinated with yesterday's sword and the sword in my dream. It seems I fall for swords easily. This motherfucker loves swords so much! Um, It's so fucking funny! uh, I also... God, do I still have this screenshot? Because he he also says something about, like, uh, how... He he thinks a lancer's lance is also quite pretty, but he prefers swords. I'm like, yeah, in the hands like, of a if in the hands of a more self aware writer, that would uh-huh. be like, yo, Shiro's by, but <laughs> uh, Shiro's by, but Shiro also prefers women to a degree. Like, yeah. oh my god, you dumb motherfucker! He's the <laughs> stupidest motherfucker alive because he just very sincerely means, yeah, 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 that sword is cool and all, but like, yo, you heard about swords though. And it's like, Shiro, how are you this stupid and not dead yet? And then I remember, oh, right, he's died like three times. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's died so many times already. Um, he notices that his hand has been feeling hot ever since Saber revealed her sword. He heads outside and finds Archer practicing with his bow outside the shed. Archer immediately hits him with a sick burn. Quote, your arrows are shot to target yourself, while my arrows are shot, shot to hit an enemy. The archer you have in your mind must be the kind that respects manners and politeness, end quote. It fucking rules! Just out of nowhere, archer shows up and just rips on him. <laughs> I, 
and he like calls back to this in a couple moments too where he's like oh yeah you never miss just like straight up being like yeah bitch you are infallible at fucking yourself over yeah. it's fucking incredible oh archer is so good <laughs> it's so good i love archer so much because he's just fucking dunking on uh, shiro without fail uh archer then advises shiro about the final step of archery the follow-through since the results of Shiro's shots have already happened, he needs to be prepared to see the consequences through to the end. He also reminds Shiro that Saber would have known using her noble phantasm would cause her to disappear, meaning she valued Shiro's life over her own existence. Uh, implying, hey, Shiro, show some fucking respect. Uh, uh, Shiro goes to the park to think, where he meets Ilya again. Ilya reveals that she had been watching last night's fight and knows Saber is about to disappear, which means Shiro doesn't have any protection. Uh, she places a binding spell on him to paralyze him and then prepares to kill him. He drifts into unconsciousness and starts to dream again. First, about Archer's words. Don't fight with your body, fight with your mind. Second, about the sword he saw in the dream about Saber. Uh... Just the dumbest thing Shiro could possibly do is just like, oh, I don't, I don't have any protection from a servant anymore. Let's go just hang out with these single most dangerous master. It's fine. Well, like, and like his guard is like absolutely down when Ilya shows up, and she just fucking fucks him up, like out the gate, like yeah. no hesitation. Uh, and it's so fucking funny that like he's like. Also, this is like is where things get confusing because they can't seem to decide if Ilya is young or if Ilya is eighteen. It's... Yeah, yeah, it's bizarre. Um, especially yeah. later on uh, mm -hmm. in day thirteen, it gets weird. Cool, can't wait. I fuck, dude. I fucking hate all the Ilya. Oh, sorry, so day much. day twelve. I mean, uh, yeah, like the the whole oh, yeah, scene uh -huh. with Ilya and Shiro. I uh, fucking hate all of this Ilya shit so fucking yeah, much. Yeah, it's bad. It's it fucking sucks. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, he wakes to find himself in a ridiculously fancy bedroom. He's alone and tied up. Uh, Ilya arrives and reveals she doesn't actually intend to kill him. She'll kill the other masters, but Shiro is special. Uh, Ilya then sits on his lap, and Shiro gets horny again. Um, yeah, it sucks! I hate it so bad! Yeah, this was the stuff I was alluding to last episode. <laughs> Uh, oh. She again gives him the option to become her servant and live. Uh, if you refuse, you continue the story. Um, uh, I, so if, if I didn't bother checking the other routes. This one I actually did check. Um, so if you accept, uh, Shiro like accepts and is intending to lie. Um, but it turns out, hey, when you make a magic contract uh, and agree to it, um, you can't be lying. Uh, and basically ends up bound by that contract and agreeing to uh be her servant uh and she then says uh cool we're gonna put you in a different body since that body's you know that body's whack as shit uh and as he loses consciousness uh Ilya basically says oh yeah uh, i'm going to use you in your new body to kill rin and saber um and we don't know what his new body would look like but i'm sure it's gonna suck ass yeah probably <laughs> 
so yeah, if you refuse, um, Ilya becomes upset and tells Shiro she'll be back to deal with him after she kills Saber and Rin. He tries to convince her otherwise, saying that someone who's still a child shouldn't kill people. Uh, <clears throat> Ilya smiles and tells him she already killed Shinji because he didn't do it, do it himself. Good job, Shiro. Mm-hmm. Uh, after she leaves, he tries to break free, but because he recently looked into her mystic eyes, uh, which I think is the first time there's a mention of mystic eyes in this game. Yeah, there's, there's. N- I don't think we see anything like the mystic eyes of death perception. Yeah, no. Um, she's she got like binding eyes. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it's just it's just interesting to see. I think think this is like also the first indication that there are stuff. There are things from Tsukihime that transfer over. But I yes. could be wrong. Uh, it's the first thing I'm aware of. Uh, the binding spell... Uh, but anyway, since he recently looked into her mystic eyes, the binding spell went back on him. Uh, in order to flush the binding magic from his body, he starts casting his strengthening spell to activate his, uh, his switch. As he expels the magic from his body and tests the ropes of, uh, uh, around his hands, um, he hears what he thinks is a patrol coming, uh, uh, coming to check up on him. Uh, he pretends to stay tied up, but then Saber, in her casual clothes, opens the door. Mm-hmm. Saber is, is impressed as his planning, uh, for once. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Rin and Archer also appear soon after. Uh, Archer teases <clears throat> Rin, saying they should have just left him to die. Uh, Rin says uh, she was able to confirm when uh, Ilya and Berserker left, giving them the opportunity to infiltrate the castle. However, Rin still wants to leave as soon as possible, especially since Saber does not have enough energy to fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, they head out to the hallway, and Saber tells him it's been a full day since he was captured. Uh, they eventually reach the main entrance, but are suddenly greeted by the unexpected presence of Ilya and Berserker. Uh, she reveals she never actually left the castle. She just hid herself. The Ilya who left the castle was a fake. Uh, Berserker jumps down the stairs into the lobby to face them. Realizing they have no chance in a real fight, Rin makes the hard choice to send Archer to fight him alone. A suicide mission. Uh, She seems sad to leave him behind. However, Archer, possibly due to hubris or sympathy, uh, asks Rin if he has permission to defeat Berserker. This seems to rally Rin, who tells him he doesn't have to hold back. Uh, Before they leave, Archer reminds Shiro he's a maker, not a fighter. Quote, do not think about other things. There is only th- one thing you can do, so master that one thing. Uh, end quote. The only person he has to fight is himself. Uh, I really like this scene between Archer and Rin. Yeah. Um, uh, we, it's... We, don't, we haven't gotten a ton of time with them interacting, uh, but I really like the implication that Archer and Rin are legitimately fond of each other, and Rin is actually very sad to send Archer to his death, even though this is technically what he is supposed to be for. So I, I think this scene is actually even more important than that, um, because Rin is fundamentally aware uh, that Archer cannot win this fight. There is she has zero hope for victory in terms yeah. of Archer. She does not tell him to win. She does not expect him to win. She's surprised when he says he's going to win, um, and just says to hold him off. She doesn't even say to run away when he can. Um, it, it's Archer who suggests that. Um, she is certain Archer is going to die in this fight, and 
that is tantamount to her giving up her claim on the grail. Like, she's not yeah. not a ma- master anymore. But this is Rin going back on the thing she has spent her life preparing for. She is rejecting that to protect not only herself, a, it, but two other people. Because uh, she could just run now and let Saber and Shiro die. That's yeah. probably the right action. Like, if she used a command spell on Archer, like, Archer probably could get just her and Rin out of there. Sorry, could just get uh, himself and Rin out of there. Or she could have just not come. Yeah, or she just didn't have to rescue Shiro from being a dumbass. And she knew this was a bad idea. Like, she says as much, basically. Like, this moment is Rin abandoning being a good mage. This is abandoning everything she is supposed to stand for and choosing to care for other people instead and that feels important um and and like there is no question or pushback from archer um he immediately is all for this which is i think interesting especially considering what we eventually find out about archer yeah yeah um archer archer like offers no arguments like in a sense like archer seems to agree with her. Mm-hmm. They feel of one mind in this moment. Um, yeah. Which is interesting. Like, it feels like a thing he would have done anyway, even if she hadn't asked. Yeah. Um, it's it's great. I, I love these two. Uh, Rin's such a fucking good character. <laughs> uh, 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 yeah. The, the reason I bring this up and mention it as an important moment is I think it's going to be very important for a scene that comes up next, and I think it is frustrating how important it is in that context yeah yeah i I know what you're talking about um Mm -hmm. i i feel the same way Mm -hmm. uh so yeah um let's see here uh rin saber and shiro escape through the forest um saber stumbles and shiro takes the opportunity to pick her up and carry her carry her in his arms she tries to object but relents after he threatens to use a command spell uh, unfortunately, he's pretty beat up himself, and he doesn't last long before he has to stop and lean against a tree to avoid falling over. Shiro says he's fine, but Rin tells him he looks like a corpse right now, and darkly jokes he should try he should hide the blood on his mouth if he's going to blood, bluff like that. Uh, Shiro tells her he wants to save both Saber and himself, and Rin unexpectedly agrees. She wants to save Saber too. Interesting that she specifies Saber. <laughs> Um, she leads them to a ruin Archer found, which where which they can use to hide for a moment. Uh, they lie Saber down inside. Um, Ciro asks what happened to Archer, and Rin sadly explains, quote, he was arrogant to the very end, end quote. Mm-hmm. Um, she then immediately sets to work planning their next moves. Um, this is where I'm going to place a timestamp. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the fuck scene is coming up here. Skip ahead to... One hour, 13 minutes, and 30 seconds if you do not wish to hear this discussion. Okay, so if you're still here, you have no excuse. We're, we're talking about fucking porn here. Yeah, so, so um, they can't escape Berserker now, so they have to beat him. This means they need to help Saber recover. Ren explains that there is one other way of giving magical energy to a servant, but she didn't mention it because uh, she didn't think things would end up like this. 
Shiro and Saber. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Shiro and Saber have both a spiritually and physically connected path, so he doesn't need to use magic to give her energy. He just has to have sex with her, because magic is stored in the balls. So, I'm actually not necessarily opposed to this uh, concept. Um, like, uh, semen being a source of magical energy is something that there is, like, a historical basis for. There is, like... Yeah, it's some, uh, like, Crowley shit, basically. Yeah, but, like, uh, the idea of vitality and reproduction and, like, a symbol of that being a source of magic, like, yeah, there, there is a history there, there is a context there. I am actually entirely fine conceptually with this. I mean, obviously, it is, like, a, a thing you are doing so that you can write porn, but as far as concepts go, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Um, the, the, yeah, the main issue we're going to have here is with the execution. Um, so uh-huh. Rin tells him that the semen of a magus is a cluster of magical energy, and poor magi even sell their semen to the Mage, Asso- Mage Association. It's <laughs> <That's> so fucking <laughs> funny! Uh, sick deal. I'm broke, so I'm jerking it to fucking sell to wizards. It's the funniest <laughs> concept in the world! It's very funny, yeah. It's so good! Uh, uh, Shiro, of course, is flustered by this, which frustrates Rin. She tells him they don't have time to be arguing. She's gonna get Shiro to. F- she's going to get Shiro to fuck because her life literally depends on it. Uh, he again tries to refuse by claiming Saber Saber would never agree to it, but Str- Rin smugly tells her him to ask her. Saber says she would not mind. Uh, Shaber's down, homie. Yeah. Uh, claiming she's trying to hurry things along, Rin walks up and kisses Shiro. I think she might be lying about that a little. She is definitely lying about that. Yeah. Uh, then, in a move I honestly did not see coming, Rin goes over to the bed where Saber is, undresses her, and starts making love to her. Uh, yeah, I... This is where my frustration comes, or yeah. starts to kick in, because, uh, you know, let, let's finish describing the scene, and then we can talk about it in totality, because uh, I almost love this scene. Yeah, so, though, though Rin claims to be doing it to help Shiro and Saber get ready, she soon realizes she's actually enjoying it. Rin proceeds to dom both Saber and Shiro, uh... She explicitly says, I didn't think I swung this way. And like, damn, Ren, okay. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, it's about as explicitly like, oh, it turns out I'm bi as you can get. Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah, like eventually, like there's just basically a scene first just between Rin and Saber. uh, And then uh, a brief scene between Shiro and and Saber. And then Rin eventually joins them both. Um, Sort of barely yeah and like like, that is where my frustration comes in yeah very minimal sexual contact between Sho and and rin for in this particular scene Uh, i mean even between um, not like yeah honestly i'm gonna i I will say like even even the scene between Sho and saber is it's long but it's also nothing Uh, it's so, Shiro has to be told to like Shiro. Rin has to tell Shiro that Saber needs to enjoy it too, which is just he, sad. Sh- Rin literally tells Shiro, "You dumb motherfucker, you gotta make her come." 
Uh, and he's like, but that's impossible. I'm feeling too good. Her How am I expected to I make a girl come? Yeah. Like, good lord. It, he is literally canonically bad at sex. Um, <sighs> okay, so. I have issues. In the maybe most me move ever, I have issues with the scene that are thematic, structural, character based, and pornographic. Yeah. And they are all distinct issues. Um, so, <laughs> wh- what what would you like me to dive into first? Wh- um, where would you like to start here? Uh, I'd I actually like to start with the the character art yeah. stuff because this is a scene that like should just make canonical the fact that Rin actually is in love with Saber. So. This scene is frustrating to me in part because it is a setup for a clear, if not explicitly poly, yeah. uh, a clear intimate dynamic between the three of them. Mm-hmm. However, uh, so here's what we have going for each character. Ren is currently feeling alone, uh, abandoned, and lost. Uh, her servant is gone. Her reason for existing is gone. Uh, it's something she willingly threw away for these folks. Uh, and she is desperate for this intimacy and for this closeness. That's where, like, that is something we see with Rin uh, constantly. She is aggressive when she feels uh, uncomfortable or when she feels isolated or when she feels uncertain. And we see that aggressiveness here. Um, that That is why this, like, uh, uh, push from her feels appropriate. Yeah. She externalizes any of her discomfort and makes other folks feel it instead. Um and so we see that here. And so she is desperate for this intimacy and closeness uh, and expresses it uh, physically um, and is discovering, like, in that same moment that she actually does care for these people. Um, Saber, on the other hand, has these deeply sublimated desires, something that she has buried her entire existence, not just this life, but her past life. Uh, a desperate need to dehumanize herself and see herself not only not as a woman, but not as a person. Yeah, denying um, even her gender. Yes. Uh, and, and so she clearly cares for both of these people and has no idea how to express it. Um and so that intimacy uh, uh, requiring a degree of prompting from Rin, but then followed through by her actively saying, yes, I want this, works to a degree for me. And then Shiro is horny. Yeah. Um... Like, th- that, that is my biggest frustration here. Rin has... This large character arc, it is culminating in this big specific moment. Saber has this smaller arc that is starting here. To a degree, this is where the chemistry between Shiro and Saber starts, actually, which is really funny. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's weird, um, because, like, Sh- Shiro's inner thoughts here are so much less nuanced and complex than, like, th- the interactions you be- you get between saber and rin because for shiro it's like oh i I get to have sex with the hot ladies so uh, there there is a degree to which there is something more there um that he has been struggling to separate physical desire with the professional and uh, emotionally intimate relationship he has with both of these characters um and he thinks that they're necessarily incompatible Uh, um like there is a degree to which when shiro thinks about sex and physical intimacy uh he almost frames it in terms of violence um like it, it feels when he describes it, it feels like he doesn't think it is possible to be 
for emotional intimacy and physical intimacy to exist simultaneously uh, because he just thinks of physical intimacy as like uh, uh, rough and bestial. I don't know that Nas is doing anything here so much as like, yeah, man, that's how some dudes conceptualize sex. Yeah. It's fucked. Uh-huh. Um, and it, I don't think he does anything with that, but like that is part of what is happening here. Um, but like, there's not an arc that's happening for uh, Shiro in this scene in the same way that there is with Rin specifically. Um, and like, okay, so it's worth expl- er, mentioning, like, caveat, I am a gay poly trans woman. Um, I have a fucking car that my partner calls the Dyke Mobile. Like, yeah, I'm always going to be the person who's like, like I, I drive a fucking Dodge Durango. I'm, I'm a fucking <laughs> lesbian. I don't know what to tell y'all. But there's a part of me that's always going to be like, yo, but why didn't the two girls just, why isn't this about Rin? Why yeah. isn't this about Rin and Saber? Because like there is something happening in that relationship. Um, and Shiro barely has any agency in this scene. Uh, Shiro barely seems to want this. Yeah, it's... Like, Shiro's presence almost makes it feel uncomfortable. Um, uh, yeah. Like, like uh, there, is a, there is a part where just Rin has to, like, push him from behind to actually shove him into Saber. And I think we'll get into this a little bit when I talk about my structural issues. Um, this camera does not pay attention to Rin at all. In fact, I think that's actually worth moving on to. Um, the can't... This is not a scene that is about Rin, Saber, and Shiro. This is a scene that is about Saber and Shiro, and Rin happens to be there. Yeah. Rin is, Rin, Rin is a function to get this scene to happen, a, a means by with the, which this contrivance can occur, because Nasu hasn't been able to build chemistry in such a way that this is believable for them to act on their own. Um, Rin is here for what feels like titillation and uh, of having two women together, and to also make this sex scene happen. Yeah, but it's... But, like, she she disappears from the camera for large portions of the of time. She is not who this scene is about in any way. Yeah, it, it's it's a weird dichotomy of, like, a, a scene that, like, is clearly subtextually polyamorous, but also written by the straightest person imaginable. So it is not only subtextually polyamorous, Rin is the only actor here. Yeah, yeah, she, like, she she's the only one acting upon. Like, Saber is passive, but that's because Saber is a bottom. Like, well, Saber, also, Nasu is bad at writing women enjoying sex. Yeah, um, that's also true. Because Rin is the, again, Rin is also the only one who seems to be really enjoying sex here for 95% of this scene. Um, yeah. But, like, she is the only person who acts with any agency to bring this result about, and that's deeply frustrating in a scene that is supposed to be about shiro and saber expressing desire for each other uh it's not it's like fundamentally not about that um and the person who is expressing agency and who is expressing action is rin who this who is cut out of 90 percent of the scene and while i think her acting with cavalier disregard is appropriate for her character is frustrating to see in the scene yeah um so, like, that is my structural issue here. Um, in terms of uh, thematic issues, again, that ties into a degree to a degree where it's 
So this is a scene that's supposed to be about Saber and Shiro. But the interesting part of this dynamic, it has to do with Rin. It's Rin and Sh it's Rin and Saber's dynamic. It's Rin and Shiro's dynamic. It's Rin, Saber, and Shiro's dynamic together. It is how Saber and Shiro functionally don't... They, they lack a, a spark of agency and a, a capability that wants... Rin as a part of that relationship, either uh, in some intimate, intimate capacity, whether that is romantic or not, they need uh, Rin as a part of that relationship to a degree. And I am not opposed to that. I, I think that is interesting. But she is just not there for this scene. Yeah. And this scene that is about Saber and Shiro is not about – it's not about Saber. Saber barely functions in this scene. She she is actively in pain for most of it and doesn't seem to really express much desire besides at the end. And even there, it's doing like the whack bad porn thing of her being like, no, don't. Like, it's it's bad. Yeah. Um, the way Saber is written here is... It sucks! Yeah. Um, and that... Do you have anything you want to add before I get into my complaints about it as porn? Oh God, <laughs> um, I, I, yeah, I, I just wish. Like, I, I feel like I'd just be reiterating what you're saying, but yeah, I, I wish that, like, Saber was like it's fine for Saber to be fairly passive. I just wish he exp expressed more enjoyment about what was happening or at least like at least desire some, some form of like hey this feels good can you do this more or something like that oh, i don't I, know it's it, i am i am not necessarily even opposed to three virgins being incredibly bad at sex yeah yeah because like i, I, I don't mean, think i think like, that's all three of them have never had this sort of physical intimacy before yeah like, like, it, like... It, in some cases it's almost a little weird that rin is this confident <laughs> Um, uh, it's a little weird, but also, like, I could absolutely see Rin either having had sex before or just fucking going for it because, to a degree, she is not a person in a position of risk here yeah. because she is pushing Rin or er, er, Saber and Shiro to have sex and she is an observer. Like, I, I can see her pushing that risk onto other folks and being aggressive because of that. That's a thing we see a lot with her. Yeah. Um. So I, I, am, I am not even opposed to... Shiro being bad at sex, to Saber not really knowing how to actively enjoy sex, that's a thing that's hard for her. Um, I wish we saw her express active desire. I wish we saw her want this more. Yeah. Instead of being reluctant the whole scene. Um, it, it like, I mean, I think them being bad at sex provides a pretty bad sex scene, but I, I, I am not opposed to that from a narrative perspective. Um, yeah, like if 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 the if the point of the scene is is that they're kind of bad at it, but like they are like through that scene you are sort of delivering a a character arc of them learning how to be more honest with each other and open up, like it's fine for the sex itself to be bad. Like so th there's also something that happens with this scene which is where um this scene is where the chemistry with Saber and Shiro starts. Like, 
It's like putting the cart before the horse. It's very weird. I know. But but I'm even not opposed to that. I, because, like, after this scene, day 12, we actually do see some start of chemistry between Saber and Shiro. There is some degree of intimacy, some degree of, like, uh, uh, desire between the two of them. I, I am... I think that's interesting. I, I think that is an interesting dynamic to explore. Uh, you have three days to do it, which, like, okay. And also, like, it's done badly, which also, okay, that sucks. Yeah. Uh, but I, I would want to see some sense of desire here. And, like, there is a degree, but it is at best said and never really expressed in, like, action, and it's frustrating. Um, and so, uh, uh, do you have anything else, or should I move on to the, the my issues with it as porn? Yeah, no, we, we can move on. <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> We're going to talk about Rin's, uh, Rin's dirty talk, which gets real weird. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, I've mentioned this before. I write porn. None of you will ever read my porn. I, I, no, 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 no. However, I do write porn. I'm not necessarily good, but I know enough to know when and usually how something is bad. This is fucking bad, y'all. <laughs> this is... Maybe the worst sex scene I've read outside of, like, fanfic uh, and, like, bad fanfic. It's fucking miserable. At one point, Rin describes uh, Saber as having a freshly boiled pussy. Yeah, it's like, what do you mean by that, Rin? Why would you what say that, that to mean? a person? Um, so that, there's a couple of things happen here that make this a sex scene that fails to be erotic in a couple of different ways. Um so basically every physical description – so all of the physical descriptions are hyper-focused on Shiro uh, and on Shiro's physical experience of the world. Uh, and Shiro's physical experience of the world is uh, actively so blinding that he is barely noticing what is occurring around him. Um, there is barely any understanding of what is happening with Rin, barely any understanding of what is happening with Saber uh, and what they're experiencing because this camera is so focused in – on Shiro and his experiential existence, we lose a large portion of the scene and a large portion of what makes a scene like this function because uh, any experience or joy that we have or, or that those two characters are having is lost to the camera. Um, the other thing is all of the descriptions for Shiro are agonizing and suffering in description um, rather than being enjoyment. Yeah, um, that was the part it, I think that really was really the it, weirdest it, to me. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh-huh. It's like, you don't even it, seem to really like this that much. No, it, everything, he, like, it, it's like he heard the term uh, la petite mort, uh, the little death, like the French term for orgasm. And took it and literally. Went, what if I made that a big death? Like, this whole scene, A, Shiro's about to come out the gate. And B, it doesn't even seem like he's liking it. Like, it just seems agonizing and suffering. Um, the little descriptions we do get of Saber, she seems like she is suffering for 90% of this scene. Uh, Rin is, to a degree, enjoying herself, but is also, like, a little unhinged in that, like, she is clearly pushing more than she might otherwise because she is feeling lost and alone like we talked about before um on top of which like there is the 
whack fucking bleeding shit that happens with virgins in stories and it's so bad like that's not supposed to happen yeah that's not how that works that's not that's that's not no Mm -mm. and again (laughs) if it was a story about virgins being bad at sex but working despite that like yeah okay i'm okay with that but it's bad as a sex scene and hey guess what bad as a sex scene um uh, what else is there? I have, like, full notes on this. Oh, 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 oh. Uh, so there is a wild vacillation in uh, uh, tone of term use. Uh, like, it, it wildly vacillates between this hyperclinical terminology and this hypercasual terminology. Um, and it's not, like, a transition from one to the other as folks start to uh, get more into it and they shed their, uh, their barriers and... Um, societal norms that allow them to then like fully embrace enjoying this no it's like they'll at one point say uh penis and at one point they'll say dick and then they'll say penis again like five seconds later and then they'll say cock and like there is no consistency of term yeah uh, and that that, can be really disconcerting that might be a translation issue but also like with stuff like this because again this part would have had to be fan translated because like the u.s never got an official mm-hmm. translation of the Arrowgay version of Face Day Night. Mm-hmm. So it could be an issue with the fan translation, but also my experience with fan translations like this is they tend to be pretty literal to a fault. Um, so I generally imagine that, like, th- when they're... Tra- uh, unless they're, like, just going into their thesaurus to be like, well, we can't just say penis again. Uh, they're... Because I know that there are different, much like in English, Japan also has different words mm-hmm. for genitals, depending on whether or not you're using the clinical or slang terms. So, like, I got to imagine that that probably informed the fan translators' word choices as well. Um, so, But, again, I don't know, so maybe it is an issue with the fan translation. So what I will say is, like, it is very possible that that is an issue of translation. Um and like to a degree but like i i don't care in that like the, the text is the one i have in front of me. yeah yeah like i i can't read japanese i can't judge a japanese text the most i can judge like all of my critique comes from the work that i'm able to look at at this moment and the work that i'm able to look at has this hyper vacillation of term so it's possible it's an issue of translation and like when, when i am critical of nasu here what i am critical of actually is the writing of the work as a whole yeah um, with nasu as a stand-in for that uh a metonym for that whole thing yeah ultimately Um, our criticisms don't really hinge on like how how perfectly accurate the fan translation is yeah and and like to be clear that that issue is like symptomatic of my issue as a whole um because like uh, the the descriptors of this as agonizing and as just fundamentally non-erotic is like that that's a translation that's not translation yeah. that's that's the text yeah um and it's just this whole scene it seems like something everyone is enduring rather than enjoying and also shiro's textually bad at this like yeah, we mentioned he it before, but like bad. Shiro, yeah, like Shiro is not a considerate lover at all. Which, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, Shiro's done a lot of stuff that makes me really hate him. But like that one line where, 
like he has to be reminded that he should like have Saber enjoy it too. It's like I just fucking hate Shiro at this point. Shiro like, seems like a dude when his girl asks him to go down on her, uh, goes ew. Like Shiro would not eat pussy. I'm, I will say it right now. I don't believe Shiro will eat pussy. Yeah, no, watch, I. It does definitely seem like that. I agree. With watch you. that fucking will happen, like in Unlimited Blade Works or something. But like, uh, man, like, it is I, frustrating. Like I don't care if like I don't care if you're bad at it. Uh, just fucking try, you know? Like, yeah. Like, express a desire to do your best, but, like, Shiro it can't even manage that. Um, it, it express a desire for the people participating to enjoy themselves. Yeah, which reminds me, like, Rin never gets anything back. <laughs> no. She is only ever acti- acting upon others, and no one ever reciprocates her affection. Which is she just is not very only ever sad. acting only ever acting upon others. She is only ever acting in a sexual sense upon others on Saber. This yeah. is a scene that is again focused on Saber and Shiro, and Rin exists as titillation for the camera. Yeah, it's it's just it's just makes me feel very bad for Rin, and I and if that was the intention of the scene, I mean, I guess cool, but. I don't think it is. I think it's just it, it, that, it is like... Not. I, this is a, a straight dudes like to see lesbians. Yeah, like, Rin is essentially here to be used as a glorified dildo. Yes. It, she it, And, like, that, that is part of where my um, distaste for this scene definitely comes from. Um, it, it is yet another instance of lesbians being used for a... <laughs> masculine uh straight dude gays uh for their titillation yeah because this happens the, in mainstream uh, mainstream porn mm-hmm. like all the time where the there's time. two mm-hmm. women and a lesbian scene starts happening and then eventually a dick comes in and it's like all right mm-hmm. time to end yes. that stuff <laughs> yeah and, and like it, it is a consistent feature and it's just it, it is frustrating to see um especially because there is an emotional context for Rin here. Like, it, it is not like a scene that happens in a contextless void where people are just fucking. There is an emotional context for Rin to exist in this space uh, emotionally, narratively, thematically. Um, and she is abandoned for titillation and for the service of this heterosexual relationship. And that is frustrating. Yeah. That is, because if this scene, like, embraced that, like, yeah, this is a dynamic between the three of them. I would, uh, for, despite it being bad at being porn, I would love this scene. I would unabashedly go to bat for this scene. Yeah, because like then at least it would be like, hey, here is it. It's maybe badly written, but Nasu was doing, doing something with the characters that I liked. Uh, but instead, what happens is that this scene kind of. Uh, is the starkest contrast between what I want from these characters and what Nasu seems to care about. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one of our friends had mentioned that uh, it had seemed um, like he barely wanted to include it, and I actually don't... I don't know that I agree with that. I think Nasu is very bad at sex scenes. Um, I think he is very bad at it, and I think that this is definitely written in such a way that it can be excised from the text without losing much. However... I think that's written with an eye for marketability rather than a desire for um, this to not be in this scene because uh, the amount of time – 
this scene feels like he luxuriates in it with the amount of time he spends on every single moment that happens uh, it, from Shiro's perspective. It goes on for a while, despite how little actually happens in it. Mm-hmm. And, like, there feels, like, a degree of luxuriating and um, uh, delaying and, uh, uh, like, reveling in this scene in a way that feels not rote to me. Um, yeah, I... Yeah. Uh, this scene is frustrating to me because it's almost a thing I love. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for me, I, I, I'm sort of somewhere in the middle. I could go either way on like whether or not Nasu actually wanted to write this scene. Like, I can see both arguments, and you know, sure. I honestly don't know. I can't come to a decision. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, like, I, I, my my reaction is like obviously a guess. I don't have any real. And if you were to tell me, oh, yeah, no, he actually didn't want to write it, I wouldn't be super surprised. Like, yeah. I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. But, like, if I were to make a guess, that would be my guess. Just based on, like, the tone to me, at the very minimum, doesn't read like um, we're just uh, gonna somebody get who this. just wants to get this over it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, um, do we have anything more we want to say about this scene? No, yeah, I don't. I think we, I think we covered all of it. But yeah. Uh, so anyway, um, uh, after immediately after this scene, we have an interlude uh, back at Einsburn Castle. Uh, we check in on Berserker, who has been extremely fucked up by the battle with Archer. Archer delivers six fatal blows to Heracles before dying. Despite Berserker not being fully healed yet, Ilya demands that they go out and kill the trio. She says she'll give both Rin and Saber to Berserker, and then... <sighs> this might be the line of dialogue I, I hate most from these three days. Oh, Ily it's gross. Ilya says, I fucking hate it. Ilya says, kill them or rape them, you can do whatever you want with them. Mm -hmm. Which, like, I don't believe Bruh. that Ilya would say that. <laughs> And it, uh, also, and it feels like, especially gross coming right after a, a sex scene. Mm-hmm. Sure does. I hate this a lot. It's maybe my least favorite line of dialogue that we've seen so far. Yeah, it's real bad. Um, however, she wants to kill Shiro in the worst way possible. Uh, back at the ruins, Rin f forced Shiro outside, making an excuse that, quote, girls have adjustments afterward, afterward end quote. Uh, but um, clearly just Basically, wanting some I read time that to herself as, with Saber. Uh, well, I, I was going to say, I read that as Rin decided that Saber needs to actually come, and Shiro wasn't going to do it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Rin just wants some more time with Saber, is how mm -hmm. I read that. God, if only, if only that was what it was. Yeah. God. Uh, once they're done, because you know Shiro doesn't cuddle. Fuck no. This boy has never heard of cuddling in his life. Uh, once they're done changing, Rin lets Shiro back in and they discuss strategy. Since Ilya can sense Saber and Shiro, uh, sorry, can't, yeah, can sense Shiro, uh, Saber and Shiro, Rin will attempt to finish off Berserker with a surprise attack. Saber is fine to attack Berserker normally, but in what may be the sickest unintentional burn so far, uh, Saber says Shiro didn't give her enough magical energy to use her noble phantasm again without disappearing yeah. entirely. <laughs> it's so fucking uh, funny! This... Oh, dude, it fucking rules! Uh, so Rin suggests that Shiro support Saber from a distance. 
Uh, after thinking a bit about how to do that safely, Shiro picks up a branch and reinforces it, turning into a shitty bow. Uh, with that, the plan is settled. A Saber and Shiro will fight with Berserker and try to distract him so Rin can use her stock of A-rank magic jewels to deliver the finishing blow. Uh, there's a choice here. It, uh, it gives you slightly different dialogue and different affection points depend on who you choose. Um, if Shiro worries about Saber, he tells her not to use her noble phantasm no matter what, because he doesn't want her disappearing. Saber agrees, and they share a moment of embarrassment when she nearly trips on some debris and Shiro grabs her hand. Uh, if Shiro worries about Rin, he tells Rin he'll pay, her, pay back any gems she uses as a way to encourage her not to be stingy with them. This gives Rin the opportunity to tease him about the cost of the gems, implying they're worth at least 10 million yen each. Quote, I won't put interest on it, she says, so you can take your whole life to pay me back. Uh, and, like, that to me is another indication of um, Rin's feeling for Shiro, like, yeah. immediately still being there. Like a, Yeah, it's basically like, a, uh, oh, well, you, you can spend your whole life devoted to me. <laughs> you, you can spend your whole life tied to me. Like, but, hmm, okay, Rin, you uh, got some feelings, huh? Uh-huh. Uh, they head outside and Rin attempts to find a good place for the ambush. Unfortunately, Ilya finds them while they're in a clearing. Rin doesn't like her odds, but Shiro is the sensible one for once, and says they're going to have to make do with what they have. Ilya arrives soon after uh, Rin gets into position in the trees above. Shiro claims that Rin left them behind, and Ilya appears to buy it. Both Ilya and Shiro try to convince each other to give up being masters, but of course both refuse. As the fight begins, Ilya's body begins to glow, revealing a huge command spell that covers almost her entire body. Uh, Berserker goes on the attack. Saber is able to deflect his blows, but not forever. She'll soon be overwhelmed. Shiro reveals that his bow... Shiro, uh, there's a choice you can make here. I chose the one that I think leads to the more interesting character realization. Uh, so Shiro realizes that his bow is basically useless, and firing it would only serve to distract Saber. Frustration mounting, he remembers Archer's words to him. Imagine a solution. As he thinks upon these words, Saber sacrifices her armor to take a blow from Berserker and give herself a chance to rush in. She strikes Berserker, knocking him off balance. At that moment, Rin launches her surprise attack and fires three giant icicles. However, Berserker is able to destroy the ice with his sword. The shards lacerate and freeze his arm, but not. But it's not the fatal blow they were hoping for. Berserker uses his other arm to grab Rin. Uh, at this point, Rin reveals that she's a JoJo's Bizarre Adventure character, and actually, uh, she wanted to get uh, captured by, Zer by Berserker. Uh, I'm not owned, you're owned. <laughs> uh, she reveals four more jewels, which are unleashed as point-blank bullets of light. Berserker's face is blown away, but he's still alive. Ilya explains that the reason Heracles doesn't have his famous bow of Hydra is because his own body is his, is his noble phantasm, representing his twelve trials. He cannot die until he's killed twelve times. He has five more lives left. Uh, Ilya tells Berserker to crush Rin. In desperation, Saber attempts to cleave his fingers, but her sword doesn't have any effect. Shiro tries to help, but Berserker just swats him away. However, he does manage to turn Berserker's attention toward him instead of Rin. Saber prepares to use Excalibur again, but Shiro uses a command spell to order Saber not to use it. 
Um, this is the second command spell Shiro has used. Mm-hmm. Uh, remembering Archer's words, Shiro realizes his body is a magic circuit perfectly suited for creating solutions. For, for creating swords, specifically. He creates Arturia's yeah. golden sword that he saw in his dream and uses it to slash Berserker's ar- other arm clean off. The sword sat- shatters immediately after the blow. Berserker goes to attack him again, so he simply makes another sword to block the blows. Saber rushes up to Shiro and grabs hold of the uh, second copy of Caliburn he created, it, created, using it to strike Berserker and blast him from the inside. Finally defeated, Berserker speaks for the first time. Quote, so that is your sword, Saber. End quote. He and Saber reveal that the sword Shiro made was an imitation of Caliburn, the one she pulled from the stone and thought was forever lost. Finally defeated, Heracles crumbles to dust. Realizing her servant is dead, Ilya collapses to the ground. Shiro tells Saber not to hurt her. So, uh, there's a couple things that I think are particularly important here. Uh, The first is there's a a couple of lines when Shiro is in the process of making uh, the sword while fighting uh, uh, Heracles. Um, The first is the line, like, uh, the sword broke. That is impossible. Uh, if I imitated the sword, it would not have broken. It broke because it was not sufficient. My image of it fell short of the real sword. Uh, and then uh, when it talks about uh, Heracles um, attacking uh, Shiro um, after that sword breaks, uh, he says, I don't care about that. He's not my opponent. Uh, for Emma, Emiya Shiro, there is only one opponent. The sword just now wasn't perfect. The unbrokeable sword broke because of a flaw in my assumptions. If I am to duplicate it, I cannot only duplicate its shape, but also reproduce the maker. Um, and so this is important for a couple reasons. Uh, it is important because, again, we have this uh, reiteration that items exist in a – that material items exist in a material historical context. Um, and that reproducing them requires an understanding of that context. Um, it, it, and so in order to reproduce them faithfully, it requires understanding them wholly. And that is the thing Shiro is good at. Uh, that, that is the thing Shiro is good at that he is discouraged from being good at by made society as a whole, which I think is interesting and important to point out. Um, and again, it highlights that, uh, Shiro as a, uh, a, his conflict is a solely internal one. Like fighting Heracles is uh, more of an afterthought than anything. The the success here, the victory he has, is this is successful replication more than anything else. Yeah, which is exactly um, what Archer told him is the thing he should yes. be fighting against. Uh-huh. Uh, and the other thing here is uh, I think it is worth talking about Caliburn. So Caliburn, in uh, if I remember correctly in uh, Arthurian legend is the first sword, the sword in the stone. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have any magic power, but it is the sword that basically anointed uh, Arthur as king. It is the magical symbol uh, I- indicating that he is to be king of Britain, um, that he is the rightful heir of uh, Uther Pendragon, um, that he is the once and future king. Um, uh, it breaks in a battle where he disregards the rules of chivalry, and I don't remember specifically what happens that causes Caliburn to break. Um, it's it's been a little bit. I should have looked it up. Um, but it, uh, this is something that they do hit in 
in Fate Stay Night, um, which is Caliburn breaks because uh, of a battle where Ar- Arturia has disregarded chivalry and it has returned again. Like he has recreated this thing that is supposed to be lost forever that it breaking is ontologically significant this is something that cannot exist in the world anymore because it's shattering is a fundamental fact of the world that has already happened and yet emi ashiro is able to not only create it but is able to wield it again with the person who broke for it like there is a degree of symbology here of uh, uh, presenting a second chance for uh, Saber. Yeah. It, it is providing her a new opportunity at to do things again, which is... It ties into what Saber's been... arc is in this game. So it ties into what her arc is in this game, but it also has been like gesturing towards what she has been gesturing her desire for the Grail is. A, a desire to redo something, even if we're not sure what. Yeah. Um, yeah, which I, I think is significant. Um, and, and this is something that is only under, er, achieved by Shiro understanding something's history. By him understanding to a degree, even uh, um, instinctually, uh, Arturia's past, Saber's past. Yeah, which he's thankfully able to do because of his link with saber yeah which i think is interesting i think shiro's ability being an understanding of history and uh that that understanding coming after that moment of intimacy with saber even if i think it is poorly done even if i am frustrated at that scene i think is interesting um i think makes sense to me yeah i do really like the caliber and scene Mm-hmm. It's very also him making that sword is just fucking sick, dude. Yeah, let like the the line of like uh, all of the triggers line up, all of the hammers fire at once is so fucking sick. Yeah, man. Um, every, swords are cool. Yeah, every so often Shiro does something that's just sick, and it's like, man, I wish you weren't such a bad person. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh huh. So we we get to day twelve. Uh, Shiro dreams of the aftermath of a battle, one that Arturia experienced. Upon becoming king, she was forced to hide her gender and pretend to be male. The only people who knew the truth were her father and the Magus. Since Excalibur makes its possessor immortal, no one questioned her small body or feminine face. More importantly, though, Arturia was a great king. Ultimately, no one truly cared who she really was because she got results. However, as she became a more perfect ruler, those close to her began to question if she could even understand human emotions. Several knights left Camelot, but Arturia did not object. She abandoned her her emotions and isolated herself. (laughs) That Mm -hmm. sounds familiar. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. Weird. I wonder if we know any other characters who do similar things. Shira wakes up and notices Saber sitting next to him, looking sad. He asked her what's wrong, and she said she was just having a dream. They both head to the living room, and Shiro starts to prepare breakfast. Rin eventually wakes up too, and Saber chides her for getting lazy. Rin counters that now that Berserker is dead, the only remaining servants are Caster, Lancer, and Assassin, who should be easy for King Arthur to handle. Saber and Shiro perk up at this. Uh, Rin reveals that she suspected Saber's identity for a while, but only confirmed it when she held Caliburn yesterday. 
Shira reflects on how King Arthur died at the hands of her own army. She entrusted the Holy Sword to Sir Bedivere, telling him to throw it into a lake. Bedivere lied about completing the task the first two times, but finally followed through the third time. Mm -hmm. uh, Ren and Saber knock him out of his reverie, asking him what he intends to do about Ilya, since, she, since he insisted they bring her back to his house. Both Saber and Rin believe she should be handled by the church for protection. Shiro, however, is still treating her like a child and believes as long as someone is around to tell her what's right that she'll be fine. Suddenly, Ilya appears in the living room, exclaiming that Shiro is her brother and then hugging him by his neck. Uh, so, uh, because I'm a simp for Rin, I decide to send Ilya to the church. However, the game railroads you into a single option by having Ilya throw a temper tantrum that convinces Shiro to let her stay at his house. Rin warns Shiro that even if she no longer has Berserker, she still has command spells, which means she could contract a stray servant. She may even try to kill Shiro to take Saber from him. Ilya insists she'd never take another servant because Berserker will always be her servant. If Shiro loses, though, she will take Saber and use her to make sure that Saber wins for him. Uh, surprisingly, this convinces Rin to change her mind. The stuff with Ilya makes no sense. Yeah, like... Like, she vacillates between two completely different characters based on seemingly whatever Nasu wants her to be at the time. Mm-hmm. And, like, oh, she she's crazy, that's why she contracted Berserker, but, like... No, she's just inconsistent, bruh. Yeah, like, I'm fine with her, like, being either just, like, outright sort of um, villainous in almost sociopathic sense because of, like, her upbringing, or her, like, being, like, having this a hyper weird... hyper Yeah, be having a hyper-fixation on Shiro, but you gotta choose one or the other. Like, yeah, it turns out the thing about hyperfixation is it doesn't just sort of randomly go away. Yeah. It, I, I am, like, not even necessarily opposed to her being kind of unstable. Uh, I think that's, like, a whack trope. Yeah. Um, but, like, okay, I kind of get it, I guess. Um, but, like, it just is so poorly executed, and it's just... It feels like an excuse to have a young child character yell Oni-chan. Yeah, and also be a yandere sometimes. It's very... Mm -hmm. Yeah. Ilya's... The way Ilya is used here is so inconsistent and bizarre, like... Uh, it just feels gross, man. I fucking hate this Ilya shit. Yeah, it's bad. Um, uh, at the dojo, Ilya... I also don't understand why Rin suddenly changes her mind. <laughs> um, uh, I mean, she, she says as much, like... She's bait. Oh, yeah. I, like, yeah, she, she basically true. says, like, Ilya functions as bait because they know how to recharge Saber now. Uh, she doesn't believe the other ma or the other servants are a threat for Saber now that Berserker is gone. Uh, and people are going to want to come and kill Ilya. So, like, fuck it. Let him come. Yeah. Yeah. That's this is true. our this is our stronghold. We have a boundary field here. We're no we know when they're going to arrive. Like, cool. We can take that fight. Uh, at the dojo, Ilya immediately causes Shiro trouble. She tries to take him away from training, wanting to spend time with him. 
Shiro tries to get Saber to convince Ilya to leave him alone, but she refuses, telling Shiro he's got to deal with it since he, it was his decision to let her stay. He gets the sense that Saber might be mad at him. <laughs> no shit, dude. Gee, I wonder why, you dumb bitch. Uh, Shiro eventually convinces her to let him train, but she demands to stay in the dojo to watch, not wanting to leave him and Saber alone together. Uh, after training, Ilya remarks that Saber appeared to be holding back. When questioned about it by Shiro, Saber expresses reluctance to let their bodies get too close. He replies that she was never concerned about that in previous training, training sessions. In another He's unusual... He's so fucking stupid. Yeah. He's so fucking stupid. This stupid motherfucker. How is this man so fucking stupid and not dead? What's, yeah, what's weird is like... This this should be also Shiro's deal as well, because we've seen her, him get awkward around Saber as well. Like, multiple times. Mm -hmm. uh, but sure all, have. But all of a sudden he's fine, and Saber's the only one who's awkward. It, mm. I mean, I, I, I don't even necessarily mind that. It's just like... We don't see him uncomfortable really at all, and it's... Yeah. And we don't see him uncomfortable with Rin at all. Or, like, we, we do to a degree, but, like, only once one of them actively brings up, like, the, hey, we kind of, like, fucked by proxy. Yeah. Like, it's just frustratingly weird. Uh, yeah, in another unusual move, Saber breaks off training herself to suggest they eat lunch. When Shiro agrees, Saber seems to be relieved. He asks why she seems to be in such a hurry to go to the living room and have lunch. Saber does not have a good answer for this, and simply rushes to the living room to get the sandwiches Shiro prepared. Uh, in the afternoon, Shiro goes to Rin's room to practice magic, though Saber expresses reluctance at this as well. Uh, I don't like this. <laughs> yeah, hey, remember when we were like, man, this could be a good setup for a poly scene. What if instead jealous? Oh god, I hate this so much. I, I know. love triangle mm -hmm. bullshit. Th th this is why I, like got so frustrated because if like if it was a poly setup i would be super into that scene but it like clearly isn't yeah um rin asks if his body is broken anywhere from yesterday since he would have had would have had to have been damaged by creating saber's sword when shiro says he feels fine she doesn't believe him and gets in close to check his arm herself she soon realizes he's, he, his healing is much better than she thought, but her close proximity causes Shiro to get embarrassed. Rin notices this and takes a moment to bully him about it. Yeah, and it's great. Yeah. Bully him more, he sucks. Uh, she soon gets back to being serious, though, and tells Shiro there's nothing else she can teach him. He has no talent, so she can't teach him new magic, and she herself can't use projecting, projection magic, so she can't teach him about something even she doesn't understand. Uh, Shiro is surprised by this since he assumed projection magic is a fundamental talent. Rin explains to him that what he did wasn't just simple projection, though. Items created through projection are simple collections of mana in the shape of an object, so they disappear quickly once the mana is outside the Magus's body. Shiro then remarks that it was strange that he could have created a sword with, with far more magical power than even he had naturally. Since all magi have a, a special element they specialize in, Rin suspects that his specialized element is swords. <laughs> <laughs> yeah! They're like, yeah, you know, like fire, water, wind, air, earth. Uh, yours is sword, by the way. And then he's like, hey, Rin, what's yours? And she's like, 
Oh, it's all of them. Yeah, yeah. He asks what specialty she has. She says she has the five elements and does not bother explaining further. Yeah, and it's just like, damn, Rin. All right, <laughs> that's kind of a flex. And like, she just says it like it's nothing. Yeah, it, she like, fucking rules, dude. Uh, she concludes by warning him not to go past his limits again because he could end up crippled or dead. As she searches for some medicine, Shiro asks her for more info about projection magic. Because projection magic creates something that should not exist, reality itself comes to destroy it. Just as living beings prioritize self-preservation, the world also attempts to preserve itself by eliminating contradictions. Uh, the lecture now complete, Rin mentions she still intends to remain in the war and use Shiro's house as a safe haven. Shiro is relieved by this and tells her, quote, I don't know right from left if you're not around. We need you, Tosaka, end quote. Rin is flustered by this and tells him she appreciates the sentiment, but to be careful with his words lest someone get the wrong idea. He asks her what she means, fucking Shiro, come on. <laughs> and she asks if he's no if he's noticed a if she's noticed Oh, sorry. Blah. And Rin asks if Shiro has noticed a change in Saber recently. When he mentioned that Saber said she had a dream, Rin goes silent for a bit before mentioning that servants don't dream. What Saber saw is likely someone's memory. Uh, before he makes dinner, Shiro decides to take a bath. However, when he goes to the bathroom, he stumbles upon Saber already in the bath. He gets flustered as usual, but the response from Saber is different than before. She apologizes and asks him if he could stay away for a while as she wishes to be alone in the bath. He notices this change in behavior, and instead of leaving, he tries to get to the bottom of Saber's change. He asks her if she's mad, and she says it's only natural for him to want to wash his body, and she'd never restrict his actions to that degree. He then asks if that means he can use the shower right now. Saber says she doesn't mind being seen naked, but is worried that her muscular body would seem unsightly to him. Shiro simply nods, shut the, shuts the door, and leaves. I have things to say about this. <laughs> Every time Shiro talks in this day, I it, it, so there's this one fucking Tumblr ask where it's like, the girl who sits next to me in English keeps inviting me over to study, but we just end up watching movies, and she wrote Love You on my annotation of a poem. She wants to take me to a vegan cafe. How do I ask her if she's gay? And the response is, Anon, I'm going to kill you. Yeah, that's just me this whole fucking day. Yeah. Sure, I'm gonna fucking kill you. Yeah. Um, more importantly, though, like, this scene frustrates me because, again, much like the sex scene, mm -hmm. this scene could be really good. Mm -hmm. um, because what Saber is expressing here, like, I am reading as, like, clear signs of dysphoria. Yeah, uh-huh. Uh because, again, like, Shiro, when, like, Saber, when she was king, had to hide her gender, uh, had to train to be a knight, had to do a lot of things that she herself may not have actually wanted to do, but she felt she sacrificed herself because she felt it was necessary for the future of the country she loved and for the people she cared about. Um, now we have her here, and Shiro is well, Shiro is treating her more like a human being with wants with, with needs and desires, and Saber is starting to learn to think that way as well. And is, like, starting to express, like, 
um, conflicting emotions about her own body and that she does want to be intimate with Shiro, but she is not comfortable in her own skin. And like, even her framing it by, oh, Shiro wouldn't, Shiro may not like to see me like this. I don't necessarily have a problem with because in, in a lot of cases, um, dysphoria is externalized as, oh, I must look so ugly um, to other people, you know, who would ever want to have sex with me, who would ever find me attractive, things like that. Internal problems are often ex externalized like that just because it's what humans do. The two issues I... Well, there's one big issue I have with this, is that when the text talks about, and Saber talks about having a muscular body, that is clearly not true in the art. Yeah, uh-huh. Um, like, this, this whole, like, Saber looks exactly like Rin. Like, Rin has bigger breasts, but other than that, like, their body types are basically identical. There is, like, no muscular definition, like, and if this was, like, Umineko as Ryukishi uh, art, I'd be able to excuse it. But, like, there's no marshmallow hands here. You could, you're telling me you couldn't draw a muscular woman? I've seen the fucking definition you put on Lancer. You're telling me Rip, or Saber couldn't be fucking ripped like that? Yeah, it, it feels so dishonest um, and also feels trivializing because, like, when, yeah. when I look at Saber, I'm like, I don't know. Like, that doesn't seem muscular at all. It seems like you do already have what you want. Uh -huh. um, and, yeah, it, it's... They want to have a storyline about it's like it's so clearly framed as like Nasu just uh, wanting to have a scene where Shiro gets a peek at Rin. Sorry, not Rin, Saber. Um, and Saber's concerns are largely secondary again because like the creators of this story don't have any don't have any uh like desire to actually reflect that in the art they're creating for it mm -hmm. yeah um yeah I, I mean like this is one of those things about visual novels like yeah you can utilize uh the the images and the cgs as a means of building and presenting that story but when the visuals are directly contradictory to what you write. Like, you undermine the work. Yeah. And, like, uh, this desire to pander to a specific visual audience, like, undermines that point. E even if in, like... Uh, yeah, like, they want to have... Like, they, they want to do a thing where Saber doesn't consider her pretty enough, but they still want to have a Saber that they consider pretty. Yes, mm -hmm. and like, and so it becomes not an issue of um, uh, uh, of differing valuations, but rather like a she just doesn't understand that she's pretty. But don't worry, she's pretty. Rather than like a yo, know, the conception of pretty is one that is like weirdly misogynistic in any way. And like, 
I, I understand it's a lot to expect this game to not be misogynistic, but, you know, I hoped. Yeah, I, man, I'm so frustrated by this whole thing. Yeah, I, I am, I want to be clear, I'm still enjoying this story. There is still something here. I'm very excited to get to Unlimited Blade Works in Heaven's Field, because while I don't think the misogyny is going to go away, I think it'll be buried beneath a bunch of other incomprehensible stuff yeah. that I'll be able to enjoy. I, I, um, I think what frustrates me most about this scene is that this is the one where I'm like, oh, I am now relating more to Saber than I ever have, but the creators mm-hmm. don't actually care. No. I don't think it crossed their mind. Uh, I hate it so much. And it's just like... Every time there's something there, something I want to latch on to, it's just like being viscerally reminded, this isn't for you. Um, like, uh, the, there are very few uh, works of sincere polyfiction, for what it's worth. Like, um, there's like uh, harem ends in visual novels, but like, that is very much not the same thing. Um, and so like, to have that sex scene and then be viscerally reminded that's not what this is, is frustrating. It, it is like being shown a potential, a potential for existence and being reminded that this work is not for you, that this is not something designed for your hands and mind. And like, it's why I get frustrated when folks, uh, why I both understand and why I get frustrated at the reach for representation in games or in books or in movies or whatever, because like representation isn't enough. Um, we need works that are made by us and for us. And like, yeah, fate stay night is never going to fucking be that. Yeah, no. Um, uh, not, not while Nasu has control of the franchise anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so moving, moving on from that scene, uh, after dinner, uh, Shiro heads to the shed to practice his magic and unwind. Saber finds him there and asks if he's okay. He says it's fine, that this, that this is just his normal routine, and then mentions that Rin told him servants don't dream. She admits it's true. She stepped into his mind and now asks for forgiveness. He's there, he said there's no need and asks what she saw. She saw a large fire, and it made her understand that there was a dangerous side to him. She understands him because she is like him. The accident was not his fault, and it's not something he can be held responsible for. There is, there is nothing for him to make up for. She finally realized that he is not saving others at the cost of his own life. He is simply, simply not considering his own life at, at all. It is only natural, then, that they become master and servant. Both of them need the grail. She asks him not to push himself and then heads back to the house to sleep. Yeah, and I think this is like an important distinction to uh, to make here. Like, Shiro's not suicidal. He just doesn't care if he lives because he does not think of himself as relevant. It's not even he doesn't think of himself as relevant. He basically is operating under the assumption that like he is always on borrowed time. Yeah. Like, he, he he feels like he is always operating <clears throat> under the assumption that he should have died that day in the fire. Um, 
and, and like is continually fixated on that. And that's part of what she means when she talks about uh, like he, he will be like that for basically as long as he is remembering his past um, where like there there is a fixation on this history and no desire to move past it. Yeah. And uh, what's interesting is that she finally reveals more about herself to him. And she says, like, you know, we're basically the same in that regard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it makes him summoning uh, Saber make a lot more sense, too, because it's like, oh, yeah, y'all are basically, like, identical in your issues, huh? <laughs> um, it, it also makes her being so gung-ho about attacking servants on site, uh make a little more sense other than just her being a knight is that oh she mm-hmm. she might have like a suicidal instinct as well yeah uh but yeah so that is the end of these three days uh real mixed bag here uh, i i don't even know if it's a mixed bag it's mostly bad i'm gonna yeah, be real it's mostly true. bad and could have been good it's not even bad that's the thing like, the sex scene's badly written, but whatever, it's a sex scene. A sex scene being badly written is not, like, new. There are so many bad sex scenes. Most sex scenes are bad. Uh, it, it is that all of this stuff could have been good, and then also Ilya's there, and that's also just bad. Yeah. It's, uh... It's unfortunate. Frustrating. There's th- this... In the, in the hands of a more conscientious writer not even necessarily like a a more skilled writer but at least someone who cared more about the topics they were uh were touching on um these might be my favorite three days mm-hmm. uh, but they're not <laughs> like i said it before that sex scene being different in any of innumerable different ways would have me going to bat for it like to the end of my days. Yeah. But it's just, it's not. I can't believe Shiro won't eat pussy. <laughs> that makes me so mad. <laughs> also, I, I do think it's important to mention. <coughs> no one got sucked off by historical King Arthur yet. Yeah, this title Did is a happen. lie. <laughs> so that's that that is important to mention. No one has gotten sucked off by King Arthur. Well, we've not saying it won't happen. We got three more days. Yeah, we we do have another scene that'll apparently happen on day fourteen. So who knows? But so far, no sucking off. Um, Fucking bullshit, in my opinion. <laughs> uh, all right. Yeah. So yeah, next next time on this podcast, we will finish the fate route. Hmm. Uh, so we we will be done with a third of this game. I I think that's generous. Well, I think calling fate a third of the game is optimistic. Well, kind of, sort of, a third. Uh, we will be done with one of three routes of this yeah. game. My understanding of the links of heaven's feel and unlimited blade works is we're done with a fifth of this game. <laughs> we'll see. I mean, they 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 last. They last for approximately the same number of days because we're essentially skipping the first... Well, I guess for Unlimited Blade Works, it does have, like, a completely different day three, almost. Sure does. So, okay. Yeah, so Unlimited Blade Works... Completely different day three. Uh, Heaven's Feels opening, I believe, is also different. 
um, and goes much longer. And also the days are longer in Heaven's Feel, if I remember right. Uh, there, there are, there do seem to be a lot of scenes in each day of Heaven's Feel. That is true. Uh huh. Hmm. He- Heaven's Feel's gonna, uh, Heaven's Feel's gonna be a lot. Yeah. <laughs> You're regretting that you uh. Make a joke too long about doing this podcast with me yet that it became real? No, no, I am enjoying this still. Um, okay, good. I, I, I fucking did projection until this became real. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Uh, all, all I can say is I'm I'm glad Rin is in this game. <laughs> otherwise, it'd be a lot rougher. Yeah, I can tell man. you that. Dude, fucking imagine where like. That scene was just Rin and Saber. Uh, That would have been such a better scene. Yeah, uh uh-huh. Why does Shiro exist, man? I mean, his sword... Shiro can go and, like, fuck a sword or something. Like, (laughs) let Saber and Rin just be a couple. It's fine. It's fine. (laughs) Sakura can date them, too, if they want, I guess. Like, whatever. I don't see any issues with this. (laughs) Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, that'll that'll be it for this podcast. Uh, We've gone on long enough. Uh, We'll be back next time. Uh, And as always, remember, podcasts end when you stop recording. I forget every fucking time. I forget every fucking time until you start saying, God damn it, I'm ending the podcast.